advantage gathered here by Papa Pico. What will he do? Into the 18. Pico avoids contact. Got a shot. Goal. He roofed it. Oh, he went for the icing on the kick. And Monterey is baked. And surely the goal that sends Nashville to a Leeds Cup final against Messi and Miami. Music City versus Messi, the gold versus the goat. A chance for history for Nashville Soccer Club as they have beaten another Mexican Gigante. They have advanced to the League's Cup final and they have automatically qualified for CONCACAF Champions Cup a year from now. Welcome in to Club and Country, the podcast of record from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines, breaking down history for you today that we never imagined we'd see, or at least I didn't. I'm Wes Foley. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the owner of ClubCountryUSA.com. Fair to say this was beyond your wildest dreams when you were covering city council meetings in 2018? Yeah, it was great. I had a like a zero-year-old baby with me all the time, crying and disrupting the city council <laughs> meetings. So uh, yeah, I did not, expect, uh, did not expect to see the team basically pound uh, the, the best team on the continent. So yeah, it was a an unexpected uh, journey, I guess. Is that the name of a hobbit? Of a hobbit thing? An unexpected journey? I do I think not it know is. that. Yeah, I don't know. It just sounded familiar as it rolled off the tongue. We'll go with it. Um, but yeah, uh, to get to this point is, I think, beyond Nashville SC fans' wildest dreams, as you go back to to the uh, the spring of 2018, um, and at, at this stage, it's, it's all uphill from here. This is a team that's going to have a chance to play um, not, now that they've earned their way into the CONCACAF Champions Cup, uh, which I will call CONCACAF Champions League pretty much every other time that I say it, <laughs> they have Same. a chance to, to go and, and, and play in an expanded Club World Cup going forward, too, by you know virtue of being in the Continental Championship. It's something that, uh, you know, the, the little ballpark <laughs> in Germantown uh, could have never dreamed that its team would be involved in. <laughs> The ballpark in Germantown, the uh, Vanderbilt Soccer Complex. I do not Complex. remember what bank uh, what bank does not sponsor us, but sponsors it. <laughs> uh, let's just say great things were on the horizon, and we didn't even <laughs> we didn't even know it. Uh, it. It is special, and I will admit to, and you could tell from my tweets last night, to getting a little emotional and and, and you know poignant, regardless of what happens Saturday. There's great meaning coming to town with Messi coming into Music City. Uh, just a few years after the uh, Martim Galval era ended, uh, it's it's just not to denigrate Galval. He was a legend. Uh, he was the original yeah. the original goat of Nashville SC before uh, before they exited semi pro ball. It, it's just it's it's great. It's it's so wonderful to see people come together that were sitting next to each other in the city council chamber who were you know buying in before I was even around covering this team. At 75 bucks to to get in on a fan-owned club in 2014. Look at us now. But also the folks that are that are jumping in now and joining the party. And and I don't want to assume then, Tim, that everyone who's listening to us is a diehard. I I hope, I think we may have some first-time listeners joining who are tuning in saying, Hey, what's the podcast of record for this team? And I can also brought listen to, to you club by, and, and it's brought to you by how many people who have been covering the club longer than anyone else <laughs> in their respective disciplines? It's almost like we've said that before. So explain, <laughs> explain just a second. We're gonna we're gonna level set. Don't skip folks who know all this. What is League's Cup? What has Nashville accomplished by getting to the final of League's Cup, whether or not they win the trophy? Yeah, so um 
I don't think it's any secret that Major League Soccer and Liga MX, which is the the top flight in in the uh, the nation of Mexico, but also considered probably the strongest league in North America. MLS has been trying to to kind of take over that mantle, and um, both leagues have decided that their best way forward is to make business relationships with each other. So this is the first year under this format. Um, the, this competition has been held, I believe, in 2019 and 2021. There was a champion. Uh, I believe it even back then it, it qualified for the uh, CCL. Uh, now CCC again, terrible. Concacaf, what are you doing, man? Um, and then um, in the in the more distant past, it was a competition that um, I believe eight teams participated, um, four from each league, and um, basically it's it's a chance for both leagues to make more money. <laughs> but it is it is considered an official competition. These aren't friendly matches, and I think any fan who has watched them realizes that uh, at least since the first knockout round, uh, teams are going out there and trying to win. It's not teams going out there and going through the motions. Um, the the carrot here is is that you qualify for CONCACAF Champions Cup. Um, and, and CONCACAF Champions Cup is the official, the official continental championship of CONCACAF, which is the Confederation of North, Central American, and Caribbean uh, Association Football. Uh, so... That is the Continental Championship for clubs. Um, I think fans might be a little bit more familiar with how CONCACAF relates to national teams. It's essentially the same thing, but every club is under a, a essentially a national team's organizational umbrella. If you win uh, CCC, you get a bid to the Club World Cup. Um, it is expanding in the future. I'm not sure if, if there's still only one bid for CONCACAF teams. I would imagine so. I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but this is how you compete with as... Um, as uh, the Seattle Sounders did a couple of years ago, um, as as the team that wins it <laughs> gets to every year, uh, you get to play against like a Real Madrid, or or you can lose to to Al Ali out of Egypt, as as the Concacaf representative did this year, uh, which was the Sounders. So it is a situation that um, you get to play against some of the you know we talked on. Was that yesterday? We recorded right before the game, didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, how 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 Monterey is a, is a gigante of of the continent. Uh, you get to play against the gigantes of of the world. You get to play against the biggest clubs out there if you if you win that competition. So, um, you know, the world of club and international soccer can be really confusing because there's so much going on. There are so many things. Uh, that are moving pieces that are different competitions, but essentially in this kind of uh, pipeline, you are continuing to play for the opportunity to to be the best club in the world theoretically but more likely to get smashed in the first or second <laughs> round by one of the actual best clubs in the world and, and uh, just to, to clean that up a little bit here yes club world cup expands to 32 teams in 2025 which would reflect the 2024 uh, competitions at each of the confederation levels uh, which means four teams from CONCACAF will be present so I don't know how those would be awarded. You'd think the semifinalists, perhaps in the knockout round, would be most practically how that would that would be able to so, or 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 the top three, and then whichever team has signed Messi, if if they had made the same business decisions <laughs> like Cap and, yes. and MLS might. Possibly so, probably so. <laughs> so we're talking about Messi coming to Nashville Saturday. We're talking about the far out at this point potential of Nashville playing English Premier League champion, UEFA Champions League winners, Arsenal, in a couple of years. Um, jokes aside, because both of those might be jokes, I want to ask you which one's more far-fetched, an Arsenal Champions League win or Nashville <laughs> Club World Cup. 
that just sets me up for a lot of pain from you. Let's talk about how Nashville got here in League's Cup. Then we'll chat about how they got here most recently against Monterey, the performance they put together, a, a masterclass, the culmination, I think I said beforehand of, of uh, or afterward of Nashville SC's plan of how they want to play. Before we do any of that, though, Tim, what's on your mind? As somebody, I, I told you, I'm a little poignant. I'm a little emotional today. Uh, reflective, I think, is the right word. As somebody who's covered this club about as long as you have, by like a day or two less. Uh, <laughs> what's your thought, Press? What's going on? Especially as Nashville beats a Monterey team that you've made no secret. It's a team that you follow in League MX. You know them and you like them. Yeah, I mean... I uh I separate emotionally when I cover a team and it it honestly robs me of some of the enjoyment of what makes people like sports. Uh I I've, I'm sure many of our listeners have heard me give my spiel. They say, "Oh, you're a sports writer. That must be so fun." I'm like, "Yeah, but it, it takes something that is a hobby and it turns it into a job and there are obvious benefits of that of uh, your job is not like uh, I don't know, doing actuarial tables or something. It is watching sports, which is pretty cool, but you you lose some of the emotional side of it. So from that perspective, um, yeah, it was cool to see Nashville do it. And it was very cool to know that it was a club that I've, you know, ever since they, they have been announced as a professional club. I've, I've been there covering them um, longer than anyone in my respective discipline. Um, and, and so that's, that's really cool. But um, in the grand scheme of things, uh, it makes me happy for the people who are involved, who have been, um, you know, whether they are in communications, whether they are the players on the team, whether they're in the front office, it, it makes me happy for them because you build personal relationships with these people nonetheless, regardless of whether you detach from it emotionally. Um, you, you build relationships with them and you know how they are feeling this morning. Um, and it's it's something that I don't I don't think any of them would would you know give it up for anything right now. Um, certainly, I think they'll want to continue winning. I think they will want to win on Saturday too. I, my guess is when they play a soccer game, they want to win. That is my hot take of the day, but it is a situation where you can't help but be happy for these people and, and continue to wish them uh, the opportunity to be even happier uh, in, in three days time. That's it for me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting there jumping up and down because Fafa Biko scored a winner. I'm sitting there smiling and thinking about the folks who've put themselves through a lot for the sake of this team and by putting themselves through a lot, I mean, sitting through six hour city council meetings, I keep going back to that, <laughs> uh, those types of things, the people who've been around for so long and also the, the budding community around this that gets to enjoy this as we have. I was looking back last night, a little sentimentally at uh, some pictures from my first ever training I covered for Nashville SC, uh, which was back in um, what winter of 18 and Kosuke Kimura, then the starting right back for Nashville SC and USL, was teaching a very young Taylor Washington the ropes in terms of, I believe it was timing his run uh, with the defender. Teaching him that everything he eats the is other poison. Way. <laughs> <laughs> he does that. Poison, poison, poison. He's talking about a health food freak, man. Hey, it's paid off for him. He played until he was like 47. Sorry, Kosuke. I know you're still not that old. But then, then I think about Kosuke last night after that second goal from Pico being a part of the of the big massive bear hug with Matt Pickens, uh, USL keeper, with Gary Smith, of course, the USL manager. Um, I sent, sent a note to Mike Jacobs last night, just, hey, happy for you. You know, it's about the people and it's about so many of you who've been around for so long. And it's exciting regardless, again, of what happens. I feel like we're already talking about a championship as if it's happened. But in a way, I mean, when the world watches Nashville, at 8 p.m. Saturday night. It's the only first tier soccer match happening in the world, and it involves Messi. 
uh, the the eyes of soccer are going to be on Nashville, and that's special for so many who've been an integral part of of building this. I, I told Channel Five today in an interview, it's rare that you get to watch a historic sports moment with the people who made the history possible, because sports in this culture are decades old. You know, sometimes centuries old. This one's not here. Mm-hmm. We get to watch it with the people who who made it happen. If they could get tickets, which we can get into. Uh, just a little bit. Uh, by the way, didn't credit. I always want to credit uh, Apple TV. Top of the show, Steve Cangelosi with a good, good call. You, saw, you heard both goals um, in the open there. Um, all right, let's let's talk to him about how Nashville got here. I guess we'll start narrow and then go broad. This Monterey win. Um, this is. I think you tweeted something like that is only something a really good team. Maybe you use the word incredible team, not to put words in your yeah. mouth, could could pull off. And last night you said Nashville was just that. Yeah. I- Listen, I uh, I think I appropriately expressed skepticism in yesterday's episode that Nashville would be able to pull this off against a roster like Monterey has. And not only did Nashville get the win, um, they had a, a goal incorrectly taken away. I'm sure we will discuss that, uh, even if very briefly. And they were the better team throughout. Um, you could see the ways that Monterey made life difficult for them. Um, I noticed it against Toluca as well. Nashville is used to athletic guys. They are used to technical guys. They are not quite as used to guys who are able to do both at the same time. In, in Major League Soccer, you typically get one or the other. Jacob Schaffelberg was getting run down by guys against Toluca and being like, okay, I've been run down before, but then a guy who can make the tackle and make it cleanly and, and get the ball and get up and, and go, that's something that that Nashville hadn't gotten used to by then. It seemed like last night they had gotten used to it. They understood what the level was going to be, even if if I believe Monterey is the best team that they have played in this competition. They understood what it was going to take to get up to that level, and that's something that I, I you know, people around the major league soccer world are kind of uh, the kind of haters and doubters of this Nashville team. And I know like Nick Saban enters every college football season saying nobody believes in us, but <laughs> I think there's there's some legitimacy to that for Nashville. Yeah. See, people say. If Hani Mukhtar doesn't do it 100% all by himself, this team is essentially nothing. And we saw last night that that Nashville is much more than Hani Mukhtar. They are also uh, very blessed to have Hani Mukhtar. I don't think anybody's denying that. But it, it is a team that can go out and go t- toe for toe, pound for pound, whatever mixed metaphors I'm, I want to spit about Monterey, who, <laughs> who again, like we said yesterday, has has doubled the value of, of you know transfer market value, how, however much stock you want to put into that. But it, it is still meaningful as a, as a, you know, kind of a little benchmark to look at, even if it's not going to be precise. So that's something that Nashville has, has spent their money wisely. We've seen that and we've talked about it throughout and they've done it in a way that has allowed them to, to, you know, compete with a team that has spent a lot more money, maybe not even that much less wisely. It's, it's an incredible team. It really is. It's something that uh, I think anybody who is involved in the front office of this club from from yes mike jacobs but down to the to the data analysts um his his chief scout chance myers all these people should be really proud of the team that they've put together and and gary smith of of the job that he did putting uh you know the right guys the right pieces in the right place on a night to to beat the best team on the continent and and now they can say that maybe Monterey isn't the best team on the continent. It's not. Uh, it's either it's either the worst team in MLS or like the third <laughs> best team in the Eastern Conference. And the beauty of it was that Monterey was clearly the better team Tuesday night. 
they were they had they had the ball they had chances they had the flow they had the technical skill they had the athleticism but you don't need to be the better team to win you need to be the stronger and smarter and tougher team and nashville was all three of those things you know monterey squandered a lot of chances where they did take their chances elliot panico came up huge i don't see how he doesn't start the final now against miami the way that he played um i know joe willis had some extenuating personal circumstances and came back to the team late but elliot's earned the right i think to 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 play this one out and, uh, and gary smith loves to ride a hot hand in yes, that situation too yeah. or foot but but keeper yeah. goal score whatever it is you know he wants to give that opportunity he will he will to panico i think what i loved was the start of the monterey match was almost the inverse of the start of the america match if you'll remember first 15 minutes against america in the semis nashville against uh, the highest payroll team it had ever seen besides maybe inter miami 2020 illegally uh <laughs> they they gave it to America. They pressed. They created chances. They scared the daylights out of them. Then America said, oh, we took your punch. Now watch out. Now we know that one ended well for Nashville, barely. In this case, Monterey kind of gave the first punch to Nashville in the early going. Had some really classy moments, some really impressive combination play. Nashville couldn't break out of the repress for like 10, 15 minutes. Almost straight, it felt like at one yeah. point. Guys, but they, they weren't giving it away, so it was like a little bit of a... <sighs> It was, it was just, it was- I, I, so, so I guess what I, what I would say is I'm pushing back a little bit on Monterey okay. was, was so dominant because it it was the game plan that Gary Smith wanted to execute for the most part. So for the most part, but I'm, there were several moments. I think of a couple of Lovitz passes that were not characteristic of him. A couple of Dax passes. There were five or six plays I could identify in my head right now that were sloppy giveaways early against Monterey pressure. It wasn't the typical Gary Smith possession in harmless areas that he's happy to concede. My point being like they took a punch from Monterey in the early going, whereas they delivered the punch against America. They took one from Monterey. And I think that Hani Mukhtar goal, which very much was a goal, even though it was disallowed. We can chat about that in a second. Uh, that was almost the finger in the eye, as Gary Smith loves to say, to Monterey of, oh, we're going to stab you when you least expect it. And I think that had a chilling effect a little bit on on Monterey's, at least on, in their precision. Um, and we saw the game plan work, I think, to absolute perspective perfection from there. A disallowed goal, man. I mean, try to defend the referee here. Like, try. Like, if, is there anything you can say beyond just maybe he saw one angle that looked like Muya was impeding? Because I think Danny Higginbotham on the broadcast got it perfectly when he said the keepers yeah, he are was, he diving. Was, he was incredulous. I can. I'll, I will read the section. I tweeted this last night. Follow uh, on X. Uh, at Club Country USA, but it says in situations where a player moving from or standing in an offside position, okay, that's wheel, yes, is in the way of an opponent and interferes with the movement of the opponent towards the ball. It is an offside offense if it impacts the ability of the opponent to play or challenge for the ball. Then you can very clearly say he did not block um, the line of vision for Andrada and he did not block his ability to move towards the ball. There was no physical contact and I don't think you could say there was any vision um, Andrada had jumped before Muil was kind of in his field of vision anyway. Um, it's 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 pretty clearly a, a bad application of the rule. Um, I I won't defend it because it's indefensible, really. Um, and, and when you especially see uh, again a, a little a Miami moment um, in the previous game, uh, there uh, not not uh, Tuesday night's game, but the previous game before that, there's a pretty clear uh, example of what that rule is trying to get out of the game of Joseph Martinez standing right in front of the keeper. Messi shoots from outside of the box. Joseph moves at the last minute because he doesn't want to touch it because he's in an offside position, but he's blocking the vision. He's preventing the keeper from making a play on the ball. That is what that rule is designed to to eliminate from the game. Naturally, it was uh, ruled off for offsides live and they turned it over on VAR and gave the goal. 
again, it, it's a false, that's a false positive and, and Nashville got a false negative. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting <laughs> little, uh, little look at who gets the, uh, the friendly whistle from VAR. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give the ref a bit of a, of a, not a pass, but, but a qualifier that it is an extraordinarily subjective deal right like impeding unless you're the keeper and he's going to be biased and telling you he was impeded every time it's hard to know but in this case i i think it's a yeah well that's what that's what clear and obvious is for right right? that's what it's for there's a a standard that is to be this was not this was not in my opinion now it was ultimately irrelevant except to honey mooptar who went on the instagram afterward and call it called it the biggest quote scam of his career which i enjoyed because that's him right he's thrilled with the win and still wants his wants his goal wants his moment but Ultimately, Tim said that would have been so sick, but that was such a nice goal. It was a beautiful goal. And it was, I mean, if he scores that, it's one of the most iconic goals in club history by virtue of what it meant for the club, but also the class of the moment. Uh, And going against the the run of play in that moment, I'll still say it's a special moment, even if it's not going to count on the scoreboard. Yeah. If if Nashville had lost, uh, I would say maybe not. But the fact that they ended up going on to win despite that uh, definitely means you can have a little bit of. maybe a little bit of wistfulness but definitely still view the moment itself positively and we'll talk about the goal that was the the first goal the defining goal and that's the sam surge goal it is tim again here nashville's game plan working so so well right set the traps take advantage of mistakes in this case a bad pass by a really good keeper and then forward to honey to surge Surge does the rest. I mean, it, to me, it is, it's why you bring Surge in. It's what Hani's there to do. It's everything in about five seconds filtering into exactly what you plan to do all night, which is to capitalize on any small window, knowing there won't be many of opportunity Monterey gives you. Yeah. And I thought the most interesting part, um, maybe for the, the casual observer is what it showed about Surge's game. People kind of assume that he's going to be a strict holdup guy because of his size or a strict header guy because of his size. And I pushed back on that, including going back to um, against all odds, defending Ake Loba, saying it wasn't really the style of Ake Loba's, uh, you know, his, it wasn't the, what he brings strength wise. That was the problem. It was the fact that he's a walking turnover machine and Gary Smith is not going to play that guy, even if he can do the positives for you as well. Surridge is a guy who can who can run. People really don't realize that because he's a big English guy. They don't think he can run. He loves to get in transition. We saw that. Um, you know, in his in his previous stops in the championship and, and very briefly in the Premier League as well. He's not just a guy who's going to get on the end of of crosses or kind of be your hold up target guy. He likes to get in transition quite a bit. And when he does, he's so smooth in terms of his composure when the opportunity to shoot comes. And he paid it off again last night. As we go throughout the show, I'll pepper in some comments from you. We asked you, how are you feeling right now? And uh, I'm sure everybody's like, oh, yes, I feel terrible. Awful. What a question, Wes. I mean, it gives a chance to get detailed. It's not a binary good or bad question. It's it's detailed. And I think it's allowing many of you to do what I did yesterday, uh, despite Tim's cynicism over here, which is to, to reflect a little bit. Um, you know, Puka says, happily surprised that we're so flat going into the tourney. I had dubious mixed feelings about the tourney, but the journey was worth it with Messi at the end. Uh, Cam, what I love most is seeing how much this team enjoys each other and celebrates each other's success. I really believe our success is emblematic of the character of our squad. Selfless, dedicated, willing to put egos aside to win. I'm proud to be a fan. Joko, the soccer bit is great. The price gouging for tickets is disgusting. I think that's going to echo how a lot of you feel. Uh, We'll read a few more as we go. We'll read some mailbag questions, and we will, of course, talk a little about the matchup Saturday. 
But uh, again, how did Nashville get here in Leagues Cup for just tuning in? 2-1 win over Colorado as part of a two-game group stage, then a 4-3 loss to Toluca. The three-person group means you basically just need to get three points and you're through. Nashville did after Toluca beat Colorado, and then it was nail-biting time. They go to the Supporter Shield leaders right now in MLS play, Cincinnati. They draw 1-1 in the round of 32 after taking a lead. They concede late. They win in PKs 5-4 to move to the round of 16. The defining match until last night was America. 2-2 draw after a stoppage time equalizer from new designated player Sam Surridge. His first of three goals in three matches. And then a 6-5 PK win. Interrupted briefly, not so briefly, by a pitch invasion by America fans. Things not so troubled in the... A quarterfinal, a 5-0 win over Minnesota before the 2-0 win over Monterey. And uh, just to emphasize one more time how good Monterey is, is a team that had never lost in knockout round competition to a major league soccer team in seven tries. And that's seven uh, that combines some single elimination and some two-legged there. Uh, elite, elite team, the Rayados. Uh, I don't think you put the in front of it. Sorry, Rayados, elite team uh, that Nashville has now beaten. Next up is you can say you can say Los Rayados. You can say well, they call the the women's Los team Rayados. Los Rayados is, so, yeah. Well, Los Rayados is way better than just saying the Rayados. That's kind of <laughs> the Nino, the Rayados. <laughs> exactly. Um, we do have a few questions uh, in the mailbag here, um, so I guess we'll, we'll go there now, and then we can circle back and talk a little about. Uh, Miami coming up. This is another thought. This is another feelings ball answer, actually. First, Will Young. This is the biggest game in the Young Club's history. It would be without or with or without a guy named Messi. What our players have achieved thus far is incredible. I only hope Nashville as a city will truly recognize what we have here. Uh, Angela Grumpylicious is not grumpy. Um, just deliciously happy, deliriously happy. It's amazing. Apple Watch heart rate alert was going off repeatedly last night. Stoked for Saturday. Is Ingram ready to pay a fine for the late night partying Saturday night after the win? Um, I think he's, uh, he, what he should be ready to pay is a, an insane bar tab at every bar in Wedgwood, Houston. After. Yes, he should, especially ML Rose, which, yes. by the way, had a big championship level announcement of its own. Uh, they just put this out today on social media. East Nashville folks, you're getting an ML Rose in 2024. Inglewood neighborhood, get ready for good friend Great neighbor, great food. What's their slogan? I'm not going to butcher their slogan. They're our sponsor. We should get their There's slogan. There's an owl right. involved. There's an owl involved. Have a hoot at ML Rose. That's what it is. Um, Tim, as I look up that that slogan, it's so great to hear that news. As This is a neighborhood, East Nashville, that I, mean, I know our friend Brayden Gall's going to be walking there on a regular basis now. Um, this is great. This is awesome for a neighborhood that uh, doesn't have one readily available right down the street. Now they will. Yeah, and we talk the most about the 8th South location because uh, that's the one that is that is most convenient to Geodis Park. But I think you and I have both talked about um, living in West Nashville. We The Charlotte Avenue location, I guess there are now two Charlotte Avenue locations since the Capitol View one is also on Charlotte. Um, but but uh, it's it's a place that we were going before uh, before they ever sponsored the, the show. And that's something that um, is part of the reason that they, they sponsor the show is because they are up. up a place that we believed in and we wanted to have sponsors that we believe in. Um, and I hope that the East Nashville people who haven't had a chance because they have other tailgating plans before the matches to go to the eight South location, or they haven't checked out any of the locations yet. You'll have a, a really good chance uh, coming up next year to, to go and check out the beers, check out the burgers, check out the waffle fries. You, you have been missing out East Nashville and <laughs> you better be ready because uh, you, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be spending a lot of time there. If you're a Nashville SC fan. Good beer makes good neighbors. That was easy enough for me to remember. I should have recalled that. 
Um, the so good, uh, good fences make good neighbors. It's a little riff on that, you see. Yeah, but this is Nashville, not Vermont. So we can save gear, not fences. <laughs> it's going to bring people together. Uh, 2024, again, the target date, as MRO says, quote, for nearly 15 years, we've been dedicated to making superb burgers and pub food, offering an extensive selection of regional, local, hyper-local, and the very best quality craft beers and caring for our team and our neighbors. Inglewood, heads up, burgers coming your way. Uh, before we get into the mailbag, Gary Smith, reflecting on Tuesday's win. We knew fully the sort of game we were in for. There was a lot of respect needed for Monterey, but I think there's a fine line between that respect and maybe giving them too much, and they they'd entertain, they end up taking charge of the game for too long. I thought the guys did a wonderful job of of starting the game off on a on a really um, Bright note, aggressive note. Um, the goal that was disallowed, a couple of other opportunities that came our way. But when we were under pressure, which I think we all felt we were going to be at certain points in the game, that there was there was that internal fibre and spirit that you've seen from this group so many times to deny them the opportunity to get back in the game. And I think it's that combination and balance that has seen us end up as winners today because it was always going to be a very, very tight game and there was going to be very little in it. I've been saying for many, many um, months and obviously nearly four years now that there's actually more to this group than maybe meets the eye. I think, you know, each one of you individuals in here will all have your take on how we play, what you consider us to be, and, and how we project ourselves. That's why you're media. You know, you're, you're able to, to put that out. However, I do believe there are a lot of people that are missing the point. And the point is that, you know, there is a very big difference between a side that is just purely defensive, as a lot of people say, and a side that is well-organised. A well-organised side have got balance. They have um, the opportunity, the wherewithal, the appreciation to manage the ball and to create chances, as we do. But we also have the, the internal fibre and spirit, which is the recruitment process of bringing guys in that have that sort of character. So I think the message maybe that I want to send is just look a little bit closer. You know, just have a, a deeper look under the surface and see that we do actually have some really good football players. They're just incredibly spirited. It's an elated Gary Smith. Uh, and Tim, in a minute, we also want to play a quote from Dax McCarty. As Dax talked a bit about the doldrums he was feeling either earlier this season or last year was difficult for him physically um we wondered if maybe he, this was him starting to transition out of the game but we'd still see moments last year right and early this year of him being at his best in this tournament it's been more than just moments he has consistently been outstanding for this team i think i went into the season uh not knowing what my future held and just wanting to enjoy it as much as i possibly could i think i've been on one-year contracts for the last year or two. Um, and I think that's the first time in my career that that's ever happened. And so there's a little bit of um, 
there's a little bit of, 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 of nervousness that comes along with that, not knowing what the next year holds, but there's also a little bit of freedom that comes along with that because you just enjoy it. I, I enjoy coming to training every day with these, this group of guys uh, and this staff and just trying to challenge myself to continue to play at a high level. And um, There are moments where you doubt yourself. Uh, I, I've, I've doubted myself this year, especially after the Cincinnati game at home, where, you know, honestly, I, I, I thought this could be it for me. Um, but I had a lot of, of people pick me up. Uh, the coaching staff has done a great job of, I think, managing my minutes and my body when I, I feel like I've played well. I want to start every game. And, you know, Gary tells me I'm coming out. I'm secretly pissed off. But, I mean, there's, there's so much respect there that I know that he's looking out for my best interest but also for the team. And I think that's the reason why you go out and you have a, you sign a Jan Gregus, you sign a Sean Davis, you have a Brian Anunga to, to be able to come in and, and be able to rotate guys in the midfield because um, that's what makes our team successful. Um, so, listen, I, I, I've just really tried to enjoy each game as it comes because um, every player will tell you, I mean, I, I want to play till I'm 50, but I, I don't think that it does me any good thinking past next week. You know, I'm just trying to enjoy every minute of it. So you hear Dax then talking about needing a pickup, right? Like mm-hmm. how he picked up this club in his early captaincy. Now he's lost the captaincy. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. lost. He's been willing he, he's, to. He, he, yeah, gave the captaincy. Yes, he gave it. I say yeah. lost. He no longer possesses it. It's not like he, it was stripped from him. He, it's been passed on to Walker Zimmerman. And yet he has still been a captain. Uh, from a you know symbolic perspective, but also the play on the field, he was excellent again uh, against Monterey and has been again. You mentioned it the other day, maybe the unsung hero of the tournament for this club. Yeah, I think um, Dax was one of the very first guests on this show, as as longtime listeners probably remember, going way back to the beginning of 2021. But uh, he's a guy who has always been a a 90 minute full energy guy. And he has been very, um, you know, self-effacing and very, very cognizant of the fact that that's not him anymore. And I think over this, the course of this tournament, even specifically, he has changed what he wants to do, how he wants to operate to make sure that he can be a guy who is there when the team needs him, because the team is often going to need him and they are no longer going to be able to use him as a 90 minute harass every single player in the midfield sort of guy. He's going to be maybe a little bit more of a, a, deep lying six who can still cover defensively, but is going to to spray those long balls to either, um, you know, Nashville speedy wingers or to, uh, to Hani Mukhtar in space or to, to lump it up to a, a striker because uh, Nashville only likes a target man up front. But um, yeah, Dax is a guy who, who has had the humility to change his game to a way that I don't think he ever imagined himself playing. And anybody who's, who's spoken to Dax or, or heard him speak knows that he's going to be very honest about that. And that's, I, th- I think, the honesty that you see um, in a press conference situation is, is also manifesting itself on the field, too. And that's something that is probably pretty refreshing for fans who are maybe, you know, f- especially fans of other sports who see guys hang on too long and, and be unwilling to adapt their game to their changing, uh, you know, physique and, and uh, age. Dax right. is younger than us, so we can make fun of how old he is. We always say we always have to give that caveat. Because we're all very young. Uh, yeah, Dax told us two years ago, if I watch film, and all of a sudden, I'm embarrassed by what I see. I'm out. I'm done. I think it's safe to say he can be very proud of what he has seen and what he's displayed on the pitch in this tournament. Uh, one more guy I want to talk about here, and that's Walker. Um, unsung hero, as you're going to be as a center back when you're facing the kind of pressure that Monterey gave Nashville, especially once they went down and the game state changed. 
he was incredibly precise, wasn't he? I mean, aerial duels, dominant, sure-headed. Uh, it was it was the Walker Nashville will need against Messi in Miami as well. Yeah, and um, I think regular listeners know that I I participate in the scuffed uh, world in terms of talking with people, and people are a little bit skeptical about Walker. And I think you and I have been pretty pretty honest. I remember a question when somebody asked us why Walker Zimmerman wasn't a regular fixture in the national team. I'm like, eh, he's good, but he doesn't necessarily uh, you know do that. And then he became a regular, and we look like idiots. But um, I was I was watching, and, and some of those people were were kind of messaging me last night, saying, "Man, this guy, this is this is the guy that everybody thinks, um, you know, everybody thinks Walker Zimmerman is supposed to be." I'm like, "This is the guy that he is." Everybody can remember one, admittedly huge mistake in the group stage of the World Cup, and and kind of dismiss the guy, but he does everything that is asked of him more often than not. And yes, he's been a little bit rusty at times this year as he's been in and out of the team with national team duty or slight injuries. But now that he has a few games under his belt to kind of get back into a rhythm, he was outstanding against Monterey. So moving on to uh, your mailbag questions and thoughts. Uh, We'll start with Derek Clark. Any news on Jacob's injury? As Schaffelberg left pretty early in the in the match uh, last night, Derek says Fafa was absolutely incredible last night. Played like a man possessed even before the goal, but the one-two punch at winger has been crucial. Mm -hmm. On a similar note, any update on Leal's fitness? Anything? I I imagine we don't know much about Jacob. Any updates on him or Leal that you've heard? Um, Leal, I would not expect to play this weekend. Um, It was something that Gary Smith mentioned um, after the first match i believe of the tournament maybe after the group stage that he was he was going to be out and almost certainly going to miss the entire um league's cup competition however long it lasted it fortunately has lasted longer than anyone might have expected um Schaffelberg's injury uh i actually didn't get called on at the press conference so <laughs> i was going to ask gary about that the answer is obviously uh we have to wait 24 to 48 hours for the scans and we'll tell you more then um but realistically if you're pulling out a guy in the first 20 minutes of a game there's something pre-existing that you don't want to aggravate or that he that you didn't want to aggravate that he has and so we don't know necessarily the severity of it um gary smith will be answering questions uh about various things uh including but not limited to that on thursday afternoon yeah we won't assume there with jacob we will look at past history and say that of course gary in this um staff is going to be overly cautious with a player, especially given mm-hmm. uh, Schaffelberg's effectiveness, explosiveness, and importance to uh, to this team. Wesley Bryant, I just want to leave space for this beauty right here. Just, just are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. To sell or not to sell, that is the strife. Between riches vast and moments full of life. To hawk tickets and fortunes, call, obey, or savor moments, dear, and let gains sway. To choose, twist, lucre's lure, and joys held near. Such quandary grant, questions severe. We had a sonnet, a full-on, I don't know if it was full, I I am a contender the whole time, but basically a sonnet about ticket sales for the League's Cup final. Do you have that on your bingo card today? Uh, Yeah, actually I did. So that's a bingo for me. Uh, I'll be collecting my prize at the end of the episode. I had Limerick. I had Limerick. I didn't have sonnet. (laughs) Dang it. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean, I know, I know that it's a difficult call uh, for a lot of people. Do I sell my tickets because I can get three hundred dollars to somebody who wants to just see Messi? Um, it's it can't make the the answer for anybody. What what are their priorities? Um, personally, I think if you have if you have your season ticket uh, allotment that you you opted into for League's Cup, I mean, you have the opportunity. That, that's a sunk cost for you. If you want to go ahead and, and make the decision to actively get rid of those tickets, I can't blame you. But I think when you have them and you have them at a reasonable price point, 
you absolutely want to uh, take advantage of it. Yeah, no way will I tell somebody either, hey, if you could make rent next month with what you sell, like life happens, right? But memories do uh, do often outlast those financial circumstances for those who have the ability, obviously, the opportunity to um you know to go to the match and and can you know i'm sure there's everybody has a price right but um mine would be pretty high for this one i think for sure um logan elliott logan welcome back to the mailbag it's been a while like two weeks uh would love to hear you all's thoughts on who should start in goal so we talked about this a little earlier but uh, logan says panico seems to be the hot hand willis has been steady and reliable i think whoever doesn't start is extremely unfortunate agree with you there logan um, and does it also have implications for who the starting keeper is going forward? So maybe that's how we can advance this conversation, Tim. Because I think, unless I misunderstood you, we would both agree. Panico, likely the guy Saturday, mm-hmm. based on how he's played. Is that a cup decision? Do, do do you think Willis is the guy when the season starts back? If Panico acquits himself without a major gaffe uh, against Miami, does he have a chance? What which, which way would you lean there, assuming both are healthy? I think Willis is still the number one keeper after Saturday's match. I do believe, like we mentioned, that um, he'll get the opportunity to play against Miami. But um, I think Willis is the number one guy. But I think it's more of an open competition than it's really ever been. Willis has been the guy. And if he's going to be unavailable or for any reason, Panico has been the backup. I think at this stage, you could foresee game weeks in which Panico earns a start through his practice play in a way that has never really been a, at least a consistent thing. I believe there was one time last year that Panico just started over Willis because Gary said he had a better week of practice. I think that's something that is more realistic um, to happen with some regularity, even if Willis um, has the slight edge as the, as the true number one for the club. I'm with you. I think Willis is your guy. Um, having said that, if Panico stops four PKs out of five, including Messi's and a, in a cup win, it, nothing would shock me. Uh, and uh, given Gary's love of the hot hands, you know, I think there's there's definitely a conversation to be had. There's a decision to be had here. Eileen Willis, but uh, I think Panico absolutely deserves to start on Saturday. Um, so let's talk very briefly, Messi, Miami, just quite simply. Nobody's beaten these guys yet in this competition. How does Nashville do it? Uh, well, hopefully they don't they don't get the uh, Joseph Martinez uh, passive offsides call to go against them as well. <laughs> hopefully they don't get an Andre Blake type uh, goalkeeping performance, which you and I have have been very clear over the years that we have extreme respect for Andre Blake. My man had a rough. It was not good. It was not um, good. The, the the answer is to just do what you continue doing, um, cont- or continue doing what you want to do. I think Philadelphia tried to get a little bit cute. Jim Curtin admitted it at halftime even. Um, you just need to be you. And um, if 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 Lionel Messi, the best player that has ever walked the face of this earth, beats you, so be it. But I think Nashville is a team that um, is a little bit more equipped to be defensively sound while also doing what they do offensively because Nashville's offense is, is largely based around being defensively sound. And that hasn't necessarily been the case for a lot of the teams that Messi has beaten on the way here. Not Miami has beaten. Messi has beaten on the way here. <laughs> yeah, I think... I vacillate between you just step on Messi a lot, which Philadelphia tried and it didn't work so well. And you let Messi have the ball with a little bit of space and you cover everybody else. I think that's the most dangerous move because he's going to find ways to pick you apart. And he only really has to do it once or twice. I think you just put three guys on him and you make the other guys give the other guys space. And, and by other guys, unfortunately, that also means Busquets, who's a master of space himself. I think you win the midfield and you win this match quite mm-hmm. frankly. And I think Nashville is set up to have a team effort better than most, but you can't discount the possible individual brilliance of Lionel Messi. Um, yeah. 
More to come, maybe this week. We'll see. We don't really know. Thanks to Moon Taxi. Thanks to Amel Rose. We will talk to you guys at some point soon.